Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host, Vince Payet. Once again, and always, we are joined by our co-host, Tilly Baden. Tilly, my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello, everyone. Yeah, things are good, thank you. Um, my Probably the biggest news in my life at the moment, I've ordered a new car. I'm so excited. So you know that I've had a lot of car problems this year. Mm, yes. um, I had to scrap my old car, and then I've been driving my dad's car for a bit, and then our, our family 4 by 4 I've ordered, I've treated myself. I've um, ordered an Audi Q2, um, a it's, I'm going to get get it on a lease because um, I didn't want to buy it outright and I want to be able to hand it back afterwards and then get an upgrade. Yeah, hopefully. Although there's such a long wait, though. It's not going to be ready till January or February, which is oh, a disappointment. First, first, world, first world problems of buying a brand new car. Oh, I know. I've got to wait for the factory to make it. How oh, well, well <laughs> listeners, how many of us can empathise with that? All four of you, all four of you listeners who can empathise with buying a new car, please send in your TV messages of sympathy to myself and Tilly. Oh, you're making me sound really bad now. I've never, never, ever had a brand new car before. So I'm very... And now you have. Well, well done, Tilly. Now you have. Well done. <laughs> Hey, we spent a long time discussing your new car. We took it wasn't brand new. Of... It wasn't brand new. I'll give you oh. that. We didn't. I didn't. Wow. I wasn't waiting on the factory. I was, the the delay there was my constant indecision. Yeah, because you were having your dilemma, weren't you? Between how, do you get a sport car and do you do you live out your your younger male fantasies, um, or do you get the sensible car that can be practical and use for your children and things and you went for the sensible option which i, I was surprised actually. about it's very similar to the q2 the t-rock that i went for the q2 is just the slightly fancier version of the t-rock it's a similar shape it's a similar layout it's just it's an audi you know i drive i'm a volkswagen man it's my initials vw so how could i not drive a volkswagen when i'm vincent william gotta do it <laughs> exactly exactly and i've gone for the label um of an Audi but I was talking to my mechanic about this and he's like have you have you test driven the Audi I said no no I just looked at a picture of it and I was like that'll do which okay. um, <laughs> is a bit stupid wow. um so I, I'm hoping I'll like it I'm sure I will it's an Audi what's there not to like um but yeah I'm so excited but I've got to wait for a while wow. um, five, five, five months listeners five months time we shall hear all about this car yeah, and in the meantime, I'm stuck driving my dad's car that's driving me mad because it's not big enough. And I, yeah, it's just not practical. But anyway, that's about the most exciting thing that's happened to me in the last week. Um, what about you? Because I know you've had some time off, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Took a bit of time off. I, um, in my time off, uh, discovered a love of baths. Uh, bath, as I should say, Tilly, you would call it a bath, but I would call it a bath. bath. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've started taking a bath on a night. You know, it's uh, I, I get some magnesium salts in. I, I light a little lavender candle. I read a book, and ho ho ho, you know. Just I was just reading a book, you know, about like uh, about sort of approaches to life and like different things that you can do. Like just one thing, it's called by Dr. Michael Mosley. Really good book, actually. I would strongly recommend it to people. Breaks down lots of self-help and just different chapters. Just one little thing you can do to change your life. And I was sort of picking and choosing and implementing a few of them. 
And I've implemented this one. And I mean, I don't really struggle to sleep anyway, but because I, I like to go to bed early because I like to be up early. So sometimes I can, I never struggle to sleep when I'm down, but sometimes I can't get to sleep as early as I'd like, particularly if I've had like a busy day at work, I've had to do the podcast, I've been on my computer late or something, so my brain's stimulated. So yeah, I'm going to, I've started taking a bath and oh my God, I, I, I'm a bath fan. I'm a bath lad now. Yeah. Do you have like, you know, that episode of Friends where Chandler has the, the the boat to make it a bit more manly? Do you do that? Do you have a little toy boat or a rubber duck or something in there? Uh, well, I, I've got a Bruce Springsteen duck. Oh, of course you do. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a, a, a rubber duck for the bath, but a good friend got it for me. And it's uh, it's shaped like Bruce, Bruce. I'll send you a picture sometime. It's a Bruce Springsteen duck. So um, I've got that in the bath, which makes it a bit more manly. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to, you know, embrace the bath. I don't, you know, There's nothing nothing. wrong with a bath, not at all. Exactly, exactly. You know, I just, I just, it's just, I enjoy it. Um, but I've got a dilemma I'd like to run by you, though, if that's all right. Oh, uh, of course, I live for these dilemmas. Go on then. So I, I, you know, I do a lot of traveling for my work. And you know me, I like to eat clean, I like to eat healthy, you know, the paleo lifestyle. You've, you've, you've seen me eating on various occasions when you've been there eating your Chinese takeaways. I've been in the kitchen cooking up some chicken and broccoli. So you've seen how I like to eat, haven't you? You're fully aware, but I like to eat clean. I like to eat seasonal. I like to eat whole foods. I, I will not eat anything that's unnatural. You, you know my approach to life, don't you? I do, yes. I'm fully aware of that. Yeah, go on. So I'm okay when I stay away, because, you know, I usually you know, stay away. I'll try and get, like, an Airbnb or something instead of a hotel. That means I can cook my own foods. But where I struggle is over lunch times, And if I'm traveling home over tea times, I struggle because, you know, if I haven't taken a pack up with me, I can sometimes struggle because, you know, if I, if I go into a supermarket, I usually just end up having to get some fruit and maybe some sliced beef or something. The options are limited for a man like me. But I've had a brainwave. I was thinking what I might do, I'm just going to run this past you, is start packing a little gas stove, a little skillet, some oil and a couple of cooking utensils and a plate. Just have them in the boot of my car and then... When it's ready for lunchtime, pop into a supermarket like an Aldi. I like an Aldi. Get myself a nice bit of steak, you know, nice bit of uh, broccoli or some sweet potatoes I can saute up. And then just park my car up somewhere, open up the boot, go and sit in the back and just cook a steak in the boot of my car. What do you think about that? Do you know what? I don't actually hate that idea. And you're probably surprised at me because I bet you thought I was going to mock you for that. Um, as long as you're doing it in an area that's not prone to fires, um, I don't know about where you, you are. No, I'm doing it in the boot of my car, aren't right But if you're on Heathland or anything near that, like that, if you're pulled over in a lay-by, absolutely not. You know, the risk of fires, that's um, a no-go area. But anyway, um, if you're in a safe place, then you know what? Why not? It's not the strangest idea that you've, you've come to me with. You so. do a lot of traveling, don't you? You travel around a lot, don't you? You do a fair bit of traveling. I do, yeah. Have you ever yeah. seen a fella cooking a steak in the boot of his car in a lay-by? I can't say I have. Um, I've seen, it's often, it's often, well, I don't want to stereotype, but older people that take the camper van out and they pull over at the side of the road and make themselves a little meal. Um, that's quite normal, I think. But this, um, this, this is what I'm but, checking. I'm aware of that because that's a setup. Is, if you're in a yeah. camper van, that's normal. You know, if you're traveling home, mm. what I am looking to check is 
how would people react? You pull up, you pull up into a lay-by, and there's just a little fella uh, cooking a steak in the boot of his car. I hadn't seen that in my lifetime. I turned 40 next month. I've never seen that. Now, I don't know whether that there's a reason I haven't seen that or I've just hit on a brainwave that nobody else has hit on yet. I don't know which it is. Is it <laughs> deviant behaviour? Is it crazy, unusual behaviour? Or have I had a brainwave? Boot cooking. Uh, see, again, I've seen this because, I, as you know, I live by the coast and I've seen people at beaches where mm-hmm. they've, or not necessarily beaches, but where they've been fishing and then come back and... And I understand that's conventional, and I, I get that. That is, mm. like I'm talking that. That is what I'm talking uh, yeah. about. As a man traveling up and I, down I the know. Waterways, I'm trying to. I'm trying to the boot of his it. car, and you know, cooking himself up a bit of meat. I mean, you're gonna get some strange looks, but you then might come a lot off. Of it could people... be a conversation starter. You're right. What you got be. on there, mate? Oh, I've just got a bit of ribeye. Do you want a bit? Yeah, I've, you know, I've got some spare here. I've got some ribeye, I've got lamb, got a nice bit of pork shoulder. Um, I could even have a seat. Do you know what? I could start a YouTube channel. I could be called The Roadside Chef. My thing would be traveling the highways and byways of England, occasionally into Wales. I don't get into Scotland that much, but highways and byways of England and Wales, the occasional jaunt to Scotland, uh, just cooking, cooking on the side of the road in my car. I don't... I don't hate it. I think it, it it's a conversation starter. Imagine, you know, I I picked you up for a date. Uh, a man had picked you up for a date and he said, where are we going for dinner tonight? And he says, we're going for dinner here. Pulled over in a lay-by, popped the boot and says, come round. How would you like your steak done? What would you think about that? <laughs> Do you know what? I quite like that idea. I think that's quite endearing. It's like a little roadside picnic. It's like a, a leveled up picnic. Um, so that's it. I'm, I'm, yeah. That's what I'm going to have. Do honestly, it. I, I think this is one of the best ideas I've ever had, you know. Do you know what? I think it is one of your most sensible ideas that you've had. Out of all of the ideas that you've put to me during the podcast shows, I think this is probably one of the better ideas you've had. So go for it. Start a YouTube I'd, channel. Get I don't see any downfall. Channel. I see no downfall. Well, listeners, um, let's move on with this week's topic, which is the damage social work does to your body. Doing less damage to mine now, I'm going to be eating a healthy on the roadside. Um, well, Tilly, I'm going to hand this over to you. But before I do, listeners, I want to put out a very important message before we get into the topic today. Um, we're going to be talking today about subjects which... I know it'll be sensitive to many people, myself and Telly included. We're going to be talking about subjects related to body positivity. We're going to be talking about subjects related to health, weight, size, shape of our bodies, overall health and fitness, and our notions of fitness as well. I am very aware of the fact that everybody has different notions of fitness, everybody has different notions of health, and everybody is happy being different sizes, different shapes, and having different abilities within their fitness and health and approaching life in certain ways regarding their diet and exercise regimes and so on. We're going to talk about this from our perspective, me and Tilly. Uh, we can't speak on behalf of everybody. We're sharing our views. And I want to be very, very clear to everybody that this is no means anything we say today is not meant to offend anybody. It's not meant to upset anybody. That is the last thing we would want. 
I am, however, fully aware that the nature of some of these topics may be triggering for some people. If you have struggled with weight issues, um, if you have got images with body positivity, if you do have strong views either way, there's certain topics that we may discuss today which could be difficult. It certainly is not our intention to offend anybody. We just want to talk about this from our position and we want to talk about our views from our perspective. We're going to try and do this as best we can and be as sensitive as we can. But inevitably, we can't account for every single one of you listening to this. We get up to 10,000 listeners a week on the show. So because of that, we simply can't account for everybody. But we will take on board any feedback. And we hope before we get into this, that you will give us the courtesy and forgive us if we do say anything that we don't even know might be upsetting for people. So that being said, Tilly, I'm going to hand over to you. And I want you to talk over the article that you wrote this past weekend and let us know all about that and why you wrote that. Okay, yeah, that was a really good caveat because that's listeners want to check the article out. They can head over to mysocialworknews.com and the title of the article is I need to stop using social work as an excuse for being overweight. It was a really personal article for me this week and I wasn't sure whether I was prepared to put it into the public arena. Um, although it's something that I'm happy talking about with my close friends. Um, I wasn't quite sure if I was ready for to be opened up to criticism or not. But actually, the reactions have been really positive. So I've been um, pleased that that people have seen that it, I was trying to discuss the topic sensitively. And I can only speak from my own personal experience. Um, so what I wanted to talk about is the fact that I have, up until recently, blamed social work as one of the core reasons for me putting on weight. Um, so as I explained in the article, when I started off out in social work, I, was, I wasn't I was a skinny person, but I was slim. I was UK size 12, um, quite a modest weight, um, never really gave it much for thought. But fast forward a decade later, and I am, well, I am overweight. I, am, I describe myself as my body type, as a marshmallow, um, bit of self-deprecating humour. But I know that I am overweight and I haven't, I'm not overly bothered about it as such from a self-conscious point of view it doesn't it's not something that I think about a huge amount of time but it was making me realize that actually I'm going to be approaching 30 next year and I'm getting to the point that if I don't make some changes now it's only going to get harder as I get older so I have recently given myself quite a big talking to and thought actually I need to make a change I don't want to be unhealthy I don't want to be at a point where if I go out for a walk then my knees and my ankles hurt because I am overweight or I don't want to get to the point where I'm developing other health conditions such as diabetes high blood pressure um, strokes heart attacks all of those things that come with with being overweight and to, to try and get to the root of what was causing this for me, I know personally I'm a massive comfort eater and when I'm stressed rather than doing anything that's more healthy, I will quite easily reach for the biscuit tin and eat a packet of biscuits or cakes or donuts or chocolate. It's always sweets or, or, or sweet things. And I know that that has been quite a, a big feature within my social work career so far whenever I've been having a, a hard day or if I've had a difficult telephone call or difficult visit or just feeling just the general pressures of social work I know that I cope with that by eating more 
And I think it hasn't helped since in a post-COVID era where we're working from home more. And some days I do hardly any steps or any exercise at all. I sit at my desk um, and barely move, which is really unhealthy. I'm also, I suppose, the other thing is that I, I absolutely loathe cooking and I'm really not one for wanting to make myself a healthy meal at the end of the day. So I think with that, combined with the nature of social work and the fact that it's quite a stressful job I had been using social work as an excuse for a long long time as to well I've put on weight because I'm a social worker it's inevitable of course I'm going to be more overweight I have a sedentary job I have a stressful job and I realized that actually I was only making an excuse for myself and as Vince mentioned at the beginning we're not we're not saying that that People are necessarily the cause of their over, for being overweight. There are multiple causes, and but for me personally, I knew that I was I had put on weight because I had overeaten and not exercised enough. So they they were the causes for me, and I had to come to the realization that to to make a change, I needed to stop blaming social work and make some healthier changes in my life and I'm on week four so far um I'm not purposefully not weighing myself because I don't I really don't care about weight I only care about how I feel but I have I know I've lost weight my clothes are a lot looser I'm going to the gym six days a week which some people will think is really obsessive but actually I quite enjoy it I really enjoy weight training um and spinning as well I I always feel a lot better and positive after I've done it and I'm on a calorie controlled diet now. I'm really trying to watch how much I'm eating and I'm feeling so much better. But I suppose the crux of my article is really, um, is for me personally, I've used being a social worker as an, as an excuse. And I know from talking to many friends and colleagues that, that other people use social work as an excuse as well. And it is a difficult thing to make these changes, but um hopefully my story is inspiring to other people that do want to make a change powerful stuff Tilly wow and uh you know I think the fact that you you've gone out of your way to put that that out there you can get a sense of vulnerability at times speaking about things like that can't you definitely yeah and that was what I was really worried about when I I initially sent the the article off. I thought, am I quite ready to put that in the public domain? It's it's fine being out there with amongst friends, but it's very different to having strangers read it. But what kind of reactions have you had in terms of comments and things? People getting in touch? Really, really positive. I mean, there's always going to be a few that say, "Why are you talking about weight? It's that's that's not something that you should ever mention." at all but generally that the comments have been really positive um and and it's a common issue amongst social workers i know that i have a lot of friends and colleagues that struggle with their weight um and hopefully it's been inspiring to them as well and i think we have to be in our position as as the podcast co-hosts and as people writing for social work news we have to be vulnerable sometimes to share our stories because if we don't then no one's ever going to talk about it and if that can spark a conversation within an office and or someone can think actually I could do that I could I could make some healthier choices and I I could be happier within myself then that's great what more could we want 
And I think the key here when you've written about this is it's from your perspective. You're not looking at somebody else in the office or you're not looking at social workers en masse and saying they need to change. You are looking at yourself and saying, I need to change. And it's I always find it difficult when people criticize people for that. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's like, well, I'm talking about myself. I'm not talking about anybody else here but me. And if you want to make those changes for yourself, if you want to put on weight for yourself, if you want to lose weight for yourself, if you want to yo-yo your weight up and down for yourself, if you want to stay exactly the same for yourself, if you're only doing it for yourself and you are doing it for positive reasons, then surely that should be celebrated. Anything that somebody does, if they believe that is going to improve their life, should that not be celebrated? And should that not be something we all support, regardless of how we feel about ourselves or society? It already affects you. Yeah, yeah, it, it should be celebrated. It's a very personal thing. And, mm-hmm. and we're not saying that, that all people should do this. It's just about, for me, I felt that I needed to, and that's what I've done. I've written about this before many years ago. You may have remembered it. And I I was put off from writing about it because I faced a lot of criticism. I faced a lot of criticism for talking about um, weight that I'd lost. And people were literally, it was on Instagram. Um, I I provoked a a certain group of people. And, you know, I, I understand why it's not criticism of them. It's more pointing out that I I felt I couldn't talk about it again after that kind of scared me at the time. I was like, well, I clearly can't talk about myself in case other people feel bad about that. So I, I haven't, but, you know, I have written about this before because like you, Tilly, social work had a significant impact on my physical well-being. Now, I know you're coming at it from the angle and I fully respect that angle that you need to stop using social work as an excuse for being overweight. But for me, Tilly, I have to hold my hands up and be honest, whilst social work wasn't the excuse and I could have made more effort to lose weight and get in shape regardless of social work, there was a very clear before and after social work effect on my body. Was That's been the same for you, has it not? Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's blatantly obvious. So when I think about, you know, I put on... I came into social work, so my weight was about 11 stone, uh, about 75 kilogram. And at my highest in social work, I weighed 105 kilogram. So I put on 30 kilos in terms of my time as a social worker, which is more or less an extra 40% of my body weight. Absolutely massive, do you know what I mean? Like a massive increase in my weight and you know I'd always been I'd always been around 75 kilogram ever since I was about 18 up until my late 20s really uh, when I became a social worker I'd always had active jobs you know I used to work on my dad's coal wagon I've been a builder I'd worked in factories and I'd run bars you're obviously on your feet all the time and then even when I was a a youth worker and um, a family support worker. I was very active. I was on my feet. I was out and about. And then I went from that lifestyle to the sedentary lifestyle of a social worker. I've been sat down at my desk in the office, sat down in my car, or sat down in people's houses. Yes, there were small periods where you'd be walking from your car to the office or around the office. So you'd sometimes take a child to a park, but it's a massive deviation from a job where you spent your entire time on your feet or when I worked as a 
you know, as a coal man or when I worked on a building site, not only the entire time on your feet, but also the entire time when you're like, when I was a coal man, I was lugging around, you know, 100 weight, which is, you know, 50 kilogram bags of coal all day. It's a massive, massive difference. And as well as that, for me, not only was it the change from manual labor to, you know, a professional job where you, your tool of the trade was your mind, um, I also found it very, very difficult to have the time to exercise, the time to get into a good routine. And I even struggled with basic stuff like sticking to a decent routine with eating. You know, I'd, I'd be working late and I'd be out of a poor routine. I wouldn't sleep properly. I'd get up in a rush. Breakfast was quite often, you know, a couple of cereal bars on the go and like a, a sweet milky tea that I'd pick up on the way. Lunch was regularly, you know, a meal deal that I'd get from a local supermarket. So like a sandwich, a bag of crisps, a chocolate bar and a fizzy drink. Quite often I would pick up a McDonald's or another takeaway on my drive home from work and then quite often have like a greasy tea or a takeaway at home. When I got back, weekends I'd be too tired to cook and go to the shops properly. So I would order, you know, pizzas and kebabs. I'd drink more. You know, it wasn't again, it wasn't a healthy lifestyle for me. And whilst I'm loath to use social work as an excuse, Tilly. The fact of the matter is, is that there's a very, very, I mean, you can just look at the pictures, go through my Facebook pictures, go through my Instagram pictures. You can see very, very clearly the physical effect that frontline social work had on me massively. You can see it, you know, you you, you can see it in, in, in the size and shape of me. So I know I still could have done more, but social work made it a hell of a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It there's it's there's no two ways about it. It is just it's a draining profession. It's a sedentary profession, and that that motivation it's it's hard to come by, and it's it's easier to live a more unhealthy lifestyle. It, it certainly is, and I I echo kind of what you just said. Really, that's what I was doing. Certainly guilty of McDonald's and meal deals and takeaways. It's it's that's easier than having to face the alternative and actually doing something healthier. Is this just us here, Tilly? Are we at risk of just speaking for ourselves or is there a wider issue at play? Do you do you know that this also affects your colleagues and by turn the profession as a whole too? Yeah, it definitely affects my colleagues. We've had this conversation. I think we have it every week, to be honest, um, in the office. We've got... We've got people of varying shapes and sizes and going through different trying different diets and struggling to stick to them and and having the effects of just everything really it's it's hard to 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 make those changes and to stick to them and and diets diets never really work if you're going to just stick to them for a little bit and then your weight will plateau and if you're not making those changes permanently to your diet then you're only going to yo-yo backwards and forwards between weights and I think that's always a really hard thing to have to deal with um and I think also as well and I I put this down to being a a millennial as well growing up in the 90s and the noughties where body image and was plastered across the media and I think um particularly women I I will well I can only speak for for 
um, my own experience, but certainly the women targeting magazines and media put a huge amount of pressure on women. And I don't think that that ever goes away. That's always gnawing at, at part of you. And it just doesn't lead to a, a healthy, sustainable change. No, you're right, because it's it's about lifestyle change, isn't it? And I, I found that in terms of my lifestyle change, no no diet or regime really worked. It was a mindset change. And the simple one for me was just changing my whole relationship with food to the point where I'm now considering cooking a steak in the boot of my car to ensure that I eat whole food. And rather than calorie count and rather than consider you know latest fad diets whether that's atkins or whether it's you know keto or slimming world or anything like that like the shakes that you do what are those shakes called that you get slim fast that's the one Mm -hmm. um it's just eating wholesome proper food and that i feel better and you know i'm happier and i look better for it you know i'm I'm, I'm better all around It, it may not work for everyone certainly cooking a steak in the boot of your car on the motorway isn't something I'd recommend for everyone. Not until at least you've watched my YouTube video, guys. Then, you know, I, I might sell it to you. But yeah, I, I'm with you on this one. I think there is a wider issue at play. And, you know, we've covered things like this before. You know, we, we've, we've discussed the kind of wider issues before. I'm just going to read out some um, headlines of some articles we've covered over at mysocialworknews.com over the past couple of years, you know. We did a piece in September 2021, going back almost two years now, which very, very clearly showed that work stress, sleep disorders and fatigue, and this is particularly important to yourself, telling our female listeners, were rising more steeply in women. There was a research of 22,000 men and women by the Swiss Health Survey, and it found an alarming rise in the number of women reporting non-traditional risk factors for cardiovascular disease, and that tended to be linked with poor sleep at work. And obviously, poor sleep and fatigue leads you to unhealthy diet and more unhealthy choices in terms of exercise. Um, I wrote a piece this March about the importance of listening to your body, um, that if you don't listen to your body whispering, you won't have to hear it screaming. Uh, that if you do listen to your body whispering, you won't have to hear it screaming. The importance of, you know, our body keeps the score and our body does tell us the importance of these things. I wrote a piece last March about the impact of compassion fatigue on social workers. Um, what do you think some of the co- impacts of compassion fatigue on social workers might be, Tilling? Well, I suppose they, they're going to be comforting themselves in some way. And for many people, they use food as a crux, myself included. Exactly. It can lead us to feeling unduly frightened at work. We can have images of traumatic events. We can have difficulty sleeping. We can have triggers. We can feel that we don't care as much as we used to. We can worry that our view of the world has changed. And in turn, it can lead us to adopt poor and unhealthy lifestyle choices. And I also wrote a piece, God, almost a year ago at the day, in mid-August 2022, which is essentially, if you want healthy social workers, you have to give them lower caseload and time off. And this was linked to, we did an opinion piece on this. This was linked to um, a press release about uh, Birmingham City Council was asking uh, social workers to step up and become fitter. So essentially linked to the Commonwealth Games last year. 
Um, it encouraged social workers to get physically fitter. We want you to join us, whether you're a bin man or a social worker, in moving more. And I was thinking that's all well and good, asking people to move more, but we surely need a little bit more than an email going out saying, do you know what, social workers, it might be a good idea to go for a walk or run. Surely our employers need to do a little bit more like than that to look after our health, do they not? Yes, of course they do. That's just ridiculous, isn't it, that, that someone's going to look at an email and make a change? Because ultimately, these lifestyle choices and, and changes can only come from within. You can never be motivated from external factors. You need to realize, come to that realization within yourself, because otherwise it's not going to be sustainable. Do you think our employers should do more, though? I mean, what what sort of... What sort of reactions do you think our employers should do in terms of a duty and care? Or should our sort of unions or associations or chief social workers get involved with this? Essentially, is there is there more that should be being done about this issue in the upper levels of social work, both organisationally and um, in terms of unions and associations? Yeah, I think there are certain things that can be done. And actually, my employer, for one, gives us a really good corporate membership deal on at the local gym and actually that's hugely helpful because in a, a financial when, when things are, are struggling people are struggling financially at the moment then that's a huge incentive for people um just little things like that um making sure that they're getting that messaging out that people should take a lunch break and finish on time and not work over their and above their their contracted hours so that people have that more time back and they don't feel like they're just chasing their tails and they can't take a lunch break because then they're going to have to work later and things are going to be a crisis if they don't put in those extra hours. So I think there are things that they, that they can do, but um, sending an email around saying social workers should move more, that's just not helpful. Yeah, and and, and for me, it needs to be far more than that because ultimately... Ultimately, as you've hinted on yourself there, Tilly, we need to make sure that we have the right environments for people to thrive. We need to make sure that social workers can have a lunch break. We need to make sure that social workers are able to get home at the right time and to start work as they should and to be paid for the hours of their work and, and to be able to take flexi time when they need to. We need to make sure that social workers aren't stretched to the point where they come home and the only thing they can do is veg out on the settee and order Uber Eats out. You know, We need to make sure that we have the right environments for conducive, healthy and happy social workers. Again, regardless of what weight they want to be or what size they want to be, as long as people have the opportunity to live life on their terms and be as healthy as their own ideal expects them to be, Surely that isn't a lot to ask. And not only is that not a lot to ask, but as always, when we make these calls, doing the opposite and maintaining the status quo of allowing social workers to work themselves into the ground is counterproductive for our employers because it leads to higher sickness rates, higher turnovers, more reliance on paying for you know short-term staffing measures, which inevitably may come at a higher cost. And it leads to worse outcomes for our clients and those that we support so I never it always boggles my mind and it never fails to shock me that people fail to understand the fundamental truth of if you look after your social workers they will look after their clients is that not very very simple 
It should be simple, but for some reason it's made way more complicated for reasons that I can't really fathom. Um, but especially as many of us will work for local authorities, many of our, our UK listeners, and local authorities are aligned with public health. We we are supposed to be part of an employer that is is championing this and trying to make sure that the population at large is healthier and things like tackling obesity and making sure people are healthier for longer and looking after themselves. That is a core message that all of our employers are striving for. So I don't really understand why it gets lost in translation for social workers. It's a strange one. It really is a strange one. We can show that same empathy to our clients, but we can't show it to ourselves. So talking about ourselves, Tilly, what are you going to do about this? You've identified this issue. What are you going to do? Um, I have absolutely no idea. I mean, hopefully just getting the conversation started from doing this podcast and an article is a, a good starting point. I think the more people that can talk about it and start demanding better working patterns from their employers um that it's got to come from the collective it's got to come from the workforce we've got to be saying that actually we we are not going to accept conditions that lead us to live more unhealthy lives but i'm i'm not full of bright ideas when it comes to this do you do you have any events you're gonna intrigue us? oh i was talking about yourself telly i mean i'm not going to ask you to fix the world i'm just wondering what you're <laughs> do for yourself here i mean it's kind of opposite this is really a deviation because usually it's the opposite usually i'll fire out some random expectation on you to save the world of social work but no telly i'm today i'm simply asking you what is your plan to save yourself Ah, oh, okay. Well, it is continuing to go to the gym. Like, actually, as we've recorded this podcast, I've literally just got back from a spinning class. Um, managed to quickly have a shower before we we caught up, and oh, I love it. I just I feel so much better when I'm exercising. So if I can keep going with my six days a week at the gym, and it might even stretch to seven, to be honest, because on the day that I'm not doing it, I feel a bit odd, um, and just trying to eat a little bit healthier and a bit more clean living or maybe I'll, I'll take inspiration from you I mean I'm not I'm not going to be stopping my car um, at the side of the motorway ah. and cooking a steak I can't see that that's going to happen but I mean certainly trying to eat a bit better and more wholesome food is is something that I will be trying to do more of yeah I think that works for me uh, but like I say I'm it doesn't it doesn't work for everybody. Everybody's slightly different in terms of, you know, what suits them. And that's what I've learned. After all my years of trying to sort of find the secret for me, I just got down to to bit very, very simple basics, eat wholesome, healthy foods. And do you know what I really did, Tilly? The key secret for me was I simply listened to my body. You know, your your body will tell you. My body quite clearly tells me I know. When I've eaten something that isn't good for me, I feel lethargic, I've got brain fog, I get stomach cramps, I don't sleep well. I I can tell the difference when I do eat something healthy. And it's the same with movement, when I move in a certain way or, you know, when I'd have a certain routine, you can sense it. Your, your, your body really does tell you. And for me, it's about living in accordance with nature. Uh, and for everybody's nature and everybody's bodies will be different, will they not? Of course they will be. We are all individuals and unique. 
And on that point, we are all individuals and unique listeners. So once again, I'm going to repeat the message that I said at the start, you know, mine and Tilly's discussion on, on, on this week's podcast has really just been about our personal situations. Yes, we've occasionally touched on some points about where we've discussed, do we believe this is a wider issue? Both Tilly and our, I, from our own personal perspectives of the world in terms of what we see, do believe this is a wider issue. If you don't believe this is a wider issue, then that's your perspective of the world. We totally 100% respect that. And we hope that our conversation on this week's podcast hasn't been too distressing or upsetting for anybody, because I do know this is a subject that both Tilly and I have struggled with before in the past, and we are well sensitive to the issues that some of you might have. So I hope you can forgive us if we have said anything that's uh, offensive or that's upset or triggered any of you, but hopefully you can see that this comes from a place of love, both a place of self-love and wanting to be happy ourselves, but also wanting to love anybody and support anybody who's listening to this who feels that they might want to make positive changes for themselves too. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, we shall leave it there, listeners. As always, if you want to check out any of the articles we've discussed on today's podcast, you can head over to mysocialworknews.com. You'll be able to read Tilly's article, which was published just a few days ago, and also some of the other articles we've mentioned on the podcast. You can just search the titles of those in the search bar, which is in the top left of the homepage, and you will be able to check those out. As always, it would be very, uh, it would mean a lot to us. It'd be very nice if you could consider leaving a review. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you get your podcast from. Consider leaving a review. And if you do, we will read it out on next week's show. We'll be back on next week with our podcast then. Until next week, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.